talked about um, what it meant to uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that in verse 1, uh, that whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And through 1 John, John talks about believing. And, and we saw that uh, in verse 5, 1 John chapter 5, it says, Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So you believe in, believe in Jesus is the Christ, is a believing to the extent of that you're overcoming the world. Now John identifies what the world is in 1 John, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, which is the lust of the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Any man love those things, and the love of the Father is not in him. So when it says that he's overcoming the world, he's overcoming the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, when he talks about that in 1 John. So that clears up a lot of people. Say, well, I, I believe Jesus, so, so you know, I'm overcoming the world. Well, if, if you're not, if you're still doing those things, if you're still fulfilling your lusts and your desires, you're not overcoming the world, and you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. It also says that he's born of God. And we saw in 1 John 3, 9, that he that is born of God does not commit sin, for God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. It also said in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 18, the person that's uh, born of God, whoever is born of God, does not sin. Uh, and, uh, but he, he is begotten of God, and he keeps himself so that the wicked one does not touch him. We also went on down, and we saw a lot of people say, well, uh, the, the scripture says to love your neighbor as yourself, the second um, commandment, right? To love your neighbor as yourself, the person who loves the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what is loving my neighbor as myself? How do I know if I'm loving my neighbor as myself? Well, verse 2 told us that in chapter 5, if you remember. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So we know we love our brethren when we love God and we keep his commandments. If I'm not loving God and keeping his, his commandments, then I'm not loving my brethren because I'm doing ill to him, which is Romans 13. We know where it says that love worketh no ill to his neighbor, but only does good to his neighbor. And then we talked about uh, verse uh, 4, where it says, whoever's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And a lot of people say, well, I have faith. You know, well, do you? You know, uh, the scripture says you can have faith to move mountains, uh, to feed the poor, feed, give, give all your goods to feed the poor. To do all, to have all knowledge with all faith. But if you have not love, it profits you nothing. So it's not just faith. It's faith working through love. And he says that this is what overcomes the world. Your faith. So if a person says, I have faith, then and doesn't have works, or doesn't have, or is not overcoming the world, then they don't really have faith according to what the scripture says here. Because if you have faith, you're going to be overcoming the world, which again is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. See how First John, remember he said in chapter 5, he says, I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And when you take the whole caption of the whole First John, the five chapters there, and you put them all together, it's got a real clear message because it keeps going back and repeating what it says before so that you really get it. And John, we know, wrote the epistle of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and they all fit so well together because they talk about the same thing in John 14, 21, as he says here in 1 John chapter 5. 
The close of chapter 5, the last verse, it says, we, we talked about it a little bit just now. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is also repeated in 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn with me. Very, uh, First Corinthians, excuse me? What verse in chapter 10? Verse uh, 13. It talks about, uh, in the beginning of, of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, it talks about uh, looking at the children of Israel as examples, uh, how God brought them through the uh, Red Sea and it was baptized as signifying Christ. They drank from that spiritual rock, which was Christ. Uh, they, the Lord just did miraculous things with them and brought them through. But then they kept falling away. They kept stumbling and uh, they, they, they uh, basically made a mess. And he said, look at them as examples how the Lord destroyed them when they tempted the Lord. And um, that's what people do when they commit adultery or do, do, do any of those things. They, they're really tempting the Lord to see if the Lord, and, and the Lord's not going to do anything. The Lord's not going to do anything. I can do this. They're tempting the Lord. And so one day that fire of vengeance will come uh, upon them, uh, uh, which which is God's a God of mercy, he's God of grace, a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment, and judgment must be, must be brought forward. The Bible says that the Lord is willing that none should perish, that he does not take pleasure in the death of, of, of those that are, are, are sinners. He wants to see everyone come to the Lord. He wants every person to come. He died for, for everyone. Unfortunately, man has a choice. And man has a choice whether to follow God or not follow God, to follow his ways or not follow his ways. But just like we, as we raise children, there's punishment if you don't. And a man gives you, the Lord gives you that choice. And unfortunately, a lot of people make the choice. The Bible says that hell was not created for man. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for mankind. But hell hath enlarged herself, the Bible says because man has chosen to rebel against their God. Uh, here in, in verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you. Everybody knows this verse, I think. But such is is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will, through the temptation, provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Thank you, um, thank you Lord, for that verse. One of an overcoming verse. If you do that, you'll, you'll never fall. He says, wherefore, my beloved, my dearly beloved, right after that, he says, flee from idolatry. Just like in 1 John chapter 5 when he said, and he ends the last verse, and he says, keep yourself from idols. He says, flee from idolatry. Because there's always something in our life that will try to, that will try to cling to you, to you to, for you to cling on to. I look at our lives like, for instance, if you were going on a vacation, you were going on a vacation to Florida or wherever you were going. Uh, you wouldn't go and, and start uh, buying property and settling down and so forth. You, you, don't, you don't live there. You're just passing through there. And that's how we have to be in this earth. We do not cling onto anything or anyone because that becomes idolatry. But are we clinging on to the Lord? Our God is a very jealous God so that we don't get distracted on things of this world. Now we're going to go into 2 John. Anyone have any comments so far on what we spoke about thus far? Amen. 2 John is an interesting book. It starts out, uh, and he says, uh, The elder unto the elect lady and the children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also 
all they that have known the truth for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Father, in truth and love. I, re I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking in truth and we have received a commandment from the Lord, from the Father. Now some people will say, well, you know, this is speaking about a literal lady here and uh, elect lady. But I want to point out that the church is considered a lady. The Bible says that she is a virgin. The church is considered a virgin woman. And the woman has children. Matter of fact, if you look at 3 John there, he, uh, John is talking there, and, and then we just read 2 John where it talked about those children. And uh, in, in uh, 3 John chapter 3, I mean verse 3, says, but I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So here John is saying his children are walking in the truth. Well, it wasn't that his physical children. He's talking about the children that follow the Lord with him that he's ministered to. Remember Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, he says, I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. He was like giving birth to his children, which were the followers of Jesus Christ. It's not that they were just uh, some woman's children. This is talking, I, I believe he's addressing the church there as he addresses the woman, the, uh, the, uh, the elect woman there and her children is the, uh, the leader of the church with the church, with the church people there. All right, so... Uh, Verse 5, and he says, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. As we know in Romans 13, it speaks about the commandments of God all be being fulfilled in one word, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's being fulfilled in that. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. First of all, what are the commandments he's talking about here? Anybody? Go back to Matthew uh, chapter 5. The two greatest. Huh? The two greatest. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. We'll start there. Jesus is speaking. He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy them, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, uh, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now I want to he's going to go in to explain what the law he's talking about. Whosoever there short for shall break one of the least commandments. So what is he talking about? The commandments. And shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of God, but whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of God. So he's talking about that the commandments will never pass away. That whoever teaches the, the, or breaks one of the least of these shall be called the, the least. Yes, Ben? I mean, but back then, did they refer to the commandments as being what Moses brought down? Was that what they had for terminology of commandments? Or was it well, I'll show you another verse. The law verse. was created, but the law was to reveal the wrongdoing. Go 
to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 18, chapter 18, and this is going to show you right here, this, this person comes to the Lord, you know the story very well, huh? Uh, let's go to verse, um, verse 18, 18 and 18. Many times. A certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I, I want to just stop there just a second. Um, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whenever you read in your Bible and it says, Those that don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke and John, when Jesus is speaking. So here is his gospel. I'll give you a for instance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, the Lord told, through Paul, told, told the people, he says, the Lord will come in fiery vengeance to execute judgment upon all those that know not the Lord and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ when, when Jesus Christ is speaking. And he says here, this, this, this young ruler comes to the Lord, he asks the Lord a very important question. He said, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Really important. He wanted to know. And the Lord, but I'm skipping down here to verse 20. And the Lord told him, he says, you know the commandments. Now he asked him, what do I have to do to have eternal life? He answered him, you know the commandments. Most people today, I would say 100% almost of the, of the um, modern day was called church idea. If you ask them, what do I have to do to have eternal life? What would they tell you? Give me an answer somewhere. Except Christ. Except the Lord. Anybody else? What would they tell you? Anybody else? Have you ever asked someone what you needed to do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to make it to heaven? What they would say is go to the altar and, and, and say I confess my sins and, and uh, I believe I'm saved. they probably say just about anything but than what Jesus just said right here, yeah, right? They would say, they would never tell you, they, they, they would almost look at you like you'd be blaspheming or something if you said what Jesus said. If you said, well, I'm just repeating what Jesus said, they'd say, oh, man, that's, that's blasphemy. You've fallen from grace. You, 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 you're just out. You, you're trying to be, get people saved by works. Was Jesus trying to get people saved by works? <laughs> he asked him, what do I need to do? Wouldn't Jesus give the same answer today that he gave back then? Yes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and here he is, he tells him, he says, he, was, he said, what do I need to do? He tells him, you know the commandments. Well, what does the commandments have to do with anything? It has to do with eternal life. And then he begins to list the commandments. And he doesn't even start to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He starts with, do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. That was, that's the point I want to make. So when we go back to 2 John, we were reading in chapter verse 6 and says, This is love that we walk after his commandments. What is, those are the commandments that we talking about. The moral commandments, the ten commandments, the, all the commandments of Christ. Well, I just want to ask you this, okay? So old as old testament, Moses went up and he brought down the Ten Commandments. Uh, and then fast forward, the Pharisees and the scribes and all the law started making these, these rules and laws for us to go. 
Well, actually, uh, the, the law of Moses, the Exodus law, the Levitical law, the Levitical priesthood, there was laws there that we're not under anymore, and we've been relieved from them. The washing of pots, uh, the, the celebration of holy days, um, the circumcision, all these things, that law is what you're free from. But the law of obeying the commandments of God, I mean, some people say, well, I'm free from the law. Really, you can go out and murder somebody, and that's fine. You can go steal from somebody, you can kill somebody, you can commit adultery with their wife, you can do all that, that's okay with God. And a lot of them say, yes, I can do that and go to heaven. Many of them will say that. And uh, that's just the sadness of what we have today. But that's what we're talking about by you ministering to people and saying, there's these doctrines of devils and seducing spirits that are lying. They're telling people they can do these things, which is going to send them to hell themselves and the people they're telling it to because they're not speaking the truth of what the Word of God says. Listen, from Genesis to Revelation, there was law. You remember when Cain and Abel were, were, were just born, the first two children of, of Adam and Eve, uh, God told Cain, uh, God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's, Cain's sacrifice, and Cain was upset and mad, and he wanted to kill his brother. And God told, his, told Cain, he came to him, he says, says uh, he, he says that, that, that this thing wants to rule over you. He said, but you need to rule over it. God told him, don't kill your brother. The commandment was already there. You know, you see, so, so that, was, that was there to begin with. There was a commandment with Adam and, Mo, Adam, Adam, Adam and Eve. Don't eat the fruit. That was a commandment. You know, they didn't need the rest of them because they, there wasn't nobody else to kill there anyway. It was just them too. But anyway, so when it says here in verse 6 of, of uh, 2 John, this is love that we walk after his commandments. This, uh, this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. You've heard this from the beginning. But this is where we got to get, this is the nitty-gritty now we get into. Very strong words that John brings out here. He says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And we see this throughout 1 John and 2 John. <clears throat> they don't confess that Jesus is the Messiah. How did he not that it came in the flesh? They don't confess it because the Bible says if you confess that Jesus Christ is, is, is the Messiah, you overcome the world. They're not overcoming the world. They, really, they might confess it with their mouth, but they're not believing it in their heart. It's not bringing forth righteousness. He says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have worked for, but that we receive a full reward. Keep going. Here it is. Whosoever transgresses. Now, the Bible says in, in, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse um, 4, it says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So, so what does he say when he says, Whosoever transgresses, whosoever sins and, and abides not, does not continue in the doctrine or teachings of Christ, does not have God. In the story. That, that, that's pretty clear. He that continues in the teachings of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this teaching, receive him not into your house, neither bid, bid him Godspeed. That's some strong words. Huh, Tilky? Yes, indeed. Strong words. So don't even bid him. God bless you. Have a good day. Because <laughs> this guy is transgressing. 
he's not walking in the teachings of Christ, but he says for us to continue to walk in his commandments, continue to teach the teachings of Christ, even if they don't hear. He says, for he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. I have a question, brother. Wow. So how can we still respect him? Respect who? That elder. That elderly man. You, you don't, it's not saying to respect them in a way of that, um, of their godliness. Um, but, but you don't have fellowship with them. You still, um, we show respect to everyone in a way of if they're older than us or if they're a parent, uh, if they got authority over you, if they're your boss or whatever, you have those kinds of respect. But the respect you're not to have is a respect in Jesus Christ as being a, a follower of Christ, that kind of respect. Um, but this is strong. Uh, it kind of reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where it talks about those that, uh, he said, if any brother be a fornicator or an idolater, or, and he goes and lists those things, he said, have no fellowship with them, don't even socialize with them. Is, is he saying the same thing here? Let's go back there. Let, let's compare these two and see, and see what we find here. Let's go to back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. A lot of people have a lot of trouble with this um, and dealing with it because of, of what's being said here. And uh, it kind of makes me feel like how Jesus said in John 6, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Now he's saying, okay, I'm going to tell you who to keep company with and who not to keep company with. You know, and a lot of people say, man, I don't want anybody telling me that. I don't want God ruling my life. Well, that's part of losing your life. But he says here in verse, uh, verse 11, thank you, Don. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. Don't socialize. So this is a strong, this is some strong words here. We have the same thing also in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where it talks about light and darkness fellowshipping together. Wesley, you got something, brother? In Ephesians chapter... Ephesians chapter 5? I'm losing your volume. Yeah. You're going in and out. Okay, hold on. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, that's better. It's probably how I was covering the mic. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, guys. He's going there. Ephesians chapter 5. Let us get there just a minute. Um, Ephesians 5, uh, what verse? Uh, yeah, verse 11. I'm just going off of memory. But um, yeah, Ephesians it. chapter 5. Verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So these people think that somehow it's okay for us to have fellowship with darkness or people that are living in sin. And like you're saying, don't even eat with such a one unless you're a partaker of evil deeds. 
And it really gets down to uh, bottom line it, is that you, evil company corrupts good habit. And obviously, if we're called not to have fellowship with those that are living in sin, um, lest we're, uh, you know, we're going to be a partaker of their evil deeds, then how is heaven going to be filled with these people if we can't even fellowship with them in the here and now? It just doesn't even make sense. That's, that's a good point. The point that Wes is saying, people are told today that you come to the Lord in your sin. And then you're going to go through a process of sanctification where you're going to sin less and less and less until you stop sinning. The problem is I never, none of them ever that I know of, they, all, they, they always keep going in that process, and the process just goes on and on. So they'll tell you, okay, so if you're saved in your sin, okay, this is the, this is the big issue here, and you, I want you to think about this. If you come forward and, you, and you're saved in your sin, if you died at that moment, what would happen? You know, if you're saved, you're going to heaven, right? So they'd say you're going to heaven in your sin. So what's the difference if you keep living that life in sin? You're going to heaven anyway, right? Because you were saved in your sin. If you keep sinning, you're still going to be saved. And you go to heaven. But what Wes is bringing out, he's saying, the Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, to come out from among them and be separate, to don't eat with these people, but yet you're going to be in heaven with them, rubbing shoulders. How much sense would that make? You know, they, they're going to be in heaven in their sin. Like they'll, some will even tell you that the, that the fornicator that we were reading about in 1 Corinthians 5, that he, he's going to still go to heaven. God's just going to take him out. That Ananias and Sapphira, they, yeah, they got killed, but God took them to heaven anyway because they were, they were believers, you know, uh, but they, was, they were in sin. So all these people that he tells you, and he tells you in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, not only that, but he says, uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 5, in verse uh, 13, he says, therefore put away from yourselves that wicked person. So God is calling that person a wicked person, so you're going to be in heaven with wicked people. Does that make any sense? Amen. Does that make any sense? Go ahead, Vince. Well, we can go right back to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 21, verse 22. All right, give us a minute to get there, Rev. Revelation 21 and verse 22. It says exactly who's going to heaven and who's not. I mean, it talks right here about it. And, uh, so, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of the temple of it. The city had no need of sun, used the moon to shine. For the glory of God delighted the Lamb and the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved, right, shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Now, verse 26. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nation to it, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither <coughs> worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then down here in uh, verse 20, chapter 22, verse 11, or verse 10, and he said, Still not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He which is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I'll sleep right there. But but he's saying right there, you're not entering in. You're not coming in. You know, you can look those words up. That covers a whole flock. You you know, defile it or make it a work of an abomination or you work lies or you're filthy. 
Please don't say that if you work righteousness, I'm coming quickly, I'm going to reward you based upon what you're doing, and you're not entering into my city if you do these things. Oh, Vince, go ahead and read the, all the way to verse 15, would you? Um, in chapter 22? Yes, sir. I am not going to take it the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they which do his commandments, and they that have right to the tree of life, and they enter in through the gates into the city. For without are gods, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and whosoever loveth them maketh a lie. That's saying the same thing. He's, he's saying there that uh, the only ones that's going to enter in are those, blessed are those that do his commandments, but outside, without, are those that are not doing his commandments. So he's saying that also, again, he reiterates it there in the yeah. last chapter. So it's, it's so clear, but people don't, don't, don't read that. And this is the last chapter of the book of Revelation. And if you go all the way back to the first, to, the, uh, to Genesis, the first book in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, and he says the same thing, that if you eat this fruit, you'll die. What did, what did the devil say? No, you can eat it and you won't die. Uh, so we see it here again. You, if you sin, you're not going to make it. But if you do, you, you, you know, man's man saying, no, you are going to make it. Also, if you go to chapter 21, verse number 6. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said unto me, it is done. I am also made at the beginning end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But, but is there an addendum there that maybe says if you accepted the Lord that this doesn't this, this is not talking to you that you're uh, you're okay to go because you got a free ticket and you can over pass over it says nothing there it, it says it's like first Corinthians 6 9 and the rest of them you're not you're not going to make it all right uh, that's good yeah. that's good Vince thank you very much let's get fired up man that's good thank you Lord uh, so let's go back to second John uh, did we finish we finish first uh, Corinthians 15 I think we talked about uh, with, with the same thing that First John says. So, again, let's read this one more time, and we'll go to Third John. Third time. Um, so he's saying in verse eight, "Look to yourselves, consider this, so that we don't lose those things which we work for, but that we receive a full reward." So, pay attention to what's going on in your life. Examine your own self. Look to yourselves. How am I living? Am I continuing in this walk? Because it's important that we continue. We see a lot of people that don't continue. Unfortunately, Larry, like the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? He said that the sower went out to sow seed. The seed was the word of God. The sower was, was the, the, the shepherd, the one sowing the seed. Now, some of the seed, the first bit of the seed fell where? You can tell me. On the wayside. On the wayside. And what happened to the seed that fell on the wayside? Gobble up the fowl of the air. The fowls of the air came and devoured the seed. So that was the person that heard the word, but he never really got to really enter in, and so he never experienced salvation at all. He just heard it. He had the grace of God there. He was able to, but he refused it. The second one fell where? Anybody? On the stony ground, right? Fell on the stony ground. The stony ground was where there wasn't much earth. So he endured for a while. He kind of did okay for a while, and we see this, but, but then when he was offended... And trials started coming in his life. 
he was offended and he fell away. The third one fell where? Thorny, thorny ground, right? Which was which represented the cares, uh, cares of this, cares and riches of this life. He, he got he got what happened? He got idols in his life, did he? Whether it was money, whether it was things of the world, and he choked the word. Now, when you, somebody chokes you, it can't go in and it can't go out. Leroy used to always say that, took you. Uh, and, and so he choked the word, and he he also fell away. We have so many that fall away. But the one that fell on the good ground is the one that receives the word with a good and an honest heart, and it brings forth fruit up to, up to a hundredfold. Go ahead, Wesley. Yeah, to go along with the ground, uh, first off, we always know James 1.1 that says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, that you may receive with meekness the implanted word. You know, that, that evil made its So you have to pay aside holiness before you have a good grasp that doesn't have a heart of treachery and deceit for the, for the word to even take root so that you can be saved. Um, but in Romans chapter 2, we want to go there that. Turn to Romans is, 2. This, this also goes, uh, you know, Romans chapter 2. And uh, verse 6, that you will render to each one according to his deed. So this is uh, your, 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 voice is, your voice is messing up again, Well, I'm kind of messing up. Okay, sorry. You will render to each one according to what his What verse deed. are you in? Say. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good. So that's what you're saying, the good ground is, is those that have patient tenuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, wow. and anguish on every soul of man. So not just the ones that are unbelievers, but on everybody, this is straight across the board. It's going to apply to the Jew first and also of the Greek because there's no partiality with God. That's what Paul says. And, I mean, this is throughout the entire New Testament. You see the same concept in Peter. And Peter says, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. He gives an entire list. And he says, if these things are yours and abound, they have to abound in your life. They have, you have to continue in doing good and endure, then if these things abound, then you're going to have an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if they don't abound, you're going to be short-sighted, the blindness, you're not going to inherit eternal life. And that's what the scriptures say over and over again. You have to be the good ground. If you're not the good ground, and if you don't endure and continue in doing good, you're not going to have eternal life. And that's, that's just repeated continuously through Amen. Anybody else got another scripture? Okay, go ahead, Vance. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, in Hebrews chapter 6, this is to go along with what you're saying, what Wesley's saying. Uh, verse number 4, Hebrews chapter 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, 
to renew them again to repentance, meaning they go back into sin. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, which put him to an open shame. Now check the next verse out to go along with what you're saying, John. Mm-hmm. For the earth, the earth which drinketh in the rain cometh off upon it, and brings forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, the seeds blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh to cursing, whose ends is to be burned. So he's talking about believers that crucify the Son of God of Christ by going back and committing sin, and it said it's just like a field that's got thorns and briars, and it's about it's going to be cursed and it's going to be burned. That's all you can do with the field of thorns is just burn all the burn all those thorns off. And you know Jesus had a lot of uh, parables. One of them was was a tree. And he came, and there was no fruit. He goes, burn this thing down. And the guy said, hold on, hold on. Because there's no fruit on it. He goes, well, okay, I'll tell you what. Dig a ditch around it, put water, and if it bears fruit, okay. But if it doesn't, I'm still going to burn it down. So, I mean, God's gracious. He gives us time. Um, and you have a short, you know, really our life, or really a short amount of time in light of eternity. But he's very serious about us bearing fruit. He spends a lot of time discipling us, sends the Holy Spirit, Jesus died on the cross. And it's a very big deal to the Father for someone to tread uh, the atoning blood of Jesus to go back and just uh, do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's an offense to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, and it's very, uh, it's very disrespectful for all that Jesus has done because he paid for us to get out of our sins. Uh, this is the thing too, guys. Um, we're, we're such a minority. We don't have the platform of the world to speak to, to it spiritually. We've got a very small platform. And in today's society, majority usually wins. You remember in school, anytime if uh, you had a question about something you know, or somebody was uh, wanting to see what to do, they would lift your hands and whoever, many people lifted their hands the most, and that was the right answer and they got what they wanted. So a lot of people feel like, how can you guys be right? I mean, come on, everybody else is wrong and you're right. You have the truth. Other people don't have the truth. How can that be? You know, and the people look at that and they think that and they walk away. Um, but you gotta, you got to recall, when Noah pleaded with the people, and I know that there were people, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness, and he pleaded with them to get ready and to get right. Building a boat there for, what, a year, and building a boat and telling them, Look, it's going to rain. You're going to floods coming. You need to get your life right. And they laughed at him because they thought, "Oh yeah, you're right, Noah, and everybody else in the world is wrong." You know, same thing happened with 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 Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the angels even came with Lot, begged the people, like, "Get your sons, you get your daughters, get out of this place." It's going, to, it's, it's, it's going to be destroyed. Get to the mountains. Get far away from here. All his relatives, they wouldn't come. They said, no, I ain't going. I'm not going anywhere. Like, come on. Nothing's ever happened like this. We're fine. It's going to be all great. And they sat around. And they lost their lives because they were like, sure, Lot, you and a couple of buddies, you're right, and we're, everybody else is wrong. You've got the same thing now. I know we're right. I know what the Word of God says. You've heard it. But the temptation is always going to be to go with the majority. The temptation is always going to be when the tribulation, when problems start coming in your life, to go ahead and bend and say, oh, you know what? When I go to that church, that music feels good. 
It feels like these people love the Lord. I fell for it. I know. And I, I, people fall for it. I fell for it. You know, oh, they say some things. They say some things that's right. It's some good things. But it's that, that little leaven that leavens the whole lump. You see, it's that little port. They'll even preach, someone, someone will even preach against sin. But then they'll come back with that leaven that you can't really live, that you'll never live without sin. That you'll always have these, these particular things. Because it's just a few. The scripture says in uh, Luke chapter 13, it says, strive to enter in. He said, for many shall strive to enter in and shall not be able to. Why won't they be able to enter in? Because they won't do it God's way. People are striving to enter in. They think if I go to church enough, I'll go in. If I clean up my life a good bit, if I quit doing drugs, or I quit, quit beating my wife or whatever it might be, I'll, I'll quit committing adultery, I'll, I'll enter in. But the Bible says in the book of 2 Timothy, it says if a man strive for masteries, he must strive lawfully. You have to do it God's way. And you see, a lot of people are trying to do it different ways. But your Lord said, I'm the only way. He says there's, 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 a, there's a way that is straight and narrow, and few are going to find it. There's another way that's broad and wide, and he said most people are going to go that way because they won't take that narrow way. Now listen, in Romans chapter 11, Donna's one of your favorite scriptures, I know. In Romans chapter 11, Paul says this, he says, has God cast away his people? He says, no. But he said, blindness in part has happened to them. Why? Because they rejected their Savior. And he says, it likens God to a, uh, to a vine that gives nutrition and gives, gives power source to others. And he said that they were cut off this vine. They were the natural branches that were part of that tree of life with the Lord. But they were cut off because of unbelief, because of disobedience. But we, when we come to the Lord in full repentance and turn to the Lord, we're grafted into that tree. We're called wild olive branches. We do some of that here in Louisiana. We'll take and we'll make a satsuma tree. You can't buy a satsuma tree that just grows of its own. It's got to be grafted with another orange tree to make it into a satsuma tree that it doesn't bring forth all those seeds. So we're kind of like that satsuma tree. We're grafted into that, that branch, but we're the wild olive. We're not the natural branches. So he says, we, we came in on a good thing. Blindness is part has, has come, has, in part has come to Israel that we might receive mercy. And we receive mercy, he says in Romans chapter 11. But he says this. He says, uh, if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, verse 17 of chapter 11, and thou being a wild olive tree, we're grafting in among them, and with them partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. We're partakers. We're like the, John 15 says, we're, we're, we're part of, he is the vine, we're the branches. He says, boast not against the branches, but if you boast, you're not bearing the root, but the root's bearing you. Thou wilt say then, uh, the branches were broken off, and I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief and disobedience, they were broken off. And do you stand by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. He didn't, he didn't spare the natural branches when they sinned, when they rejected him. Now, do you think he's going to spare us while a lot of branches that were grafted in? Do you think he's going to spare us if we sin? We're going to be better than Israel was? 
No way, those were his natural children. We were adopted children into the kingdom. He, he, he's, he's, not, he's not going to spare us. And they think they're boasting against the other branches. Why are they boasting? I can sin, and I'm gonna, I can make it to heaven. Israel couldn't sin. His natural branches couldn't sin and make it to heaven. But you say, oh, we, we're delivered to do all these things. And this, listen to what the Lord says. He says this. Behold the goodness and severity of God. Severity means like you sever something, cut it. On them which fail, severity. They got cut off the tree. But toward thee, goodness. We got in the tree. Praise the Lord. He says, but toward thee, goodness, if. Uh-oh, there's an if word there, Kevin. If you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will be cut off also. What's happened? The people didn't continue in his goodness. They didn't continue to come to a full place of repentance. They still have sin. They get cut off. They're not going to make it. So we go back to 2 second, second John. And John is warning. Stern, stern warning. This is one of his last books he writes. Besides the book of Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation. And he's warning. He's giving a severe warning to each of us. He says you need to like Paul said, examine yourself, prove yourself with you today. Continue. No matter how many people turn away, no matter if you're the last one standing, continue and receive your reward. Because he said, he that does not continue in the teaching of Christ, he does not have the fault of the Son. And if anyone comes teaching you that and saying that you can sin and use grace as a license to sin, then don't even bid them Godspeed. He says, having many things to write to you, I, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of the elect, elect sister greet thee. Amen. And that concludes the third, uh, second John uh, in, of, of today. And what a, what a great way to, to uh, come to the end of that book. It's, a one, it's one chapter, but it's an extremely <coughs> powerful chapter. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anyone have anything, any comments on that? Yes, Kevin? I swear to see in the spirit, whatever, just spirit that comes up and say, oh, what's saved always say, oh, you have an advocate with the Father. But you know what? It all comes together. Amen. Yeah, you want saved always say, yeah, if you tell me you have advocate with the Father. But when you obey his commandments and you love him with all your heart, then none of Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, people need to get first things first. The Lord said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Man gets all his other stuff first.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand. Larry, could you pass those out for us? If you're at home and you're in Skype or YouTube, we ask that you would join us in uh, communion with the Lord, one another, as we break bread together. Oh, uh, you can get a piece of bread, something to drink, be with us. Father, in remembrance of what you did, your son did, Jesus. And Jesus, as you met together with your disciples before you went cross, and that's part of your temptation. You stood up and you took lifted the bread, you broke it, and said, this is my body that I give for you. Thank you. Take it and eat it. After they had taken the bread, he took the cup. This is my blood, which I shed for you, for your remission of sins. This is the new, co new covenant, this is the New Testament that I bring in for you. Without this blood, we can have no forgiveness of sin, and we'd be of all men most miserable. But because of what he's done for us, we drink unto our Lord. I took you, would you mind closing us in prayer, my brother? Father, thank you for your wonderful word, Lord. Thank you for the obedience that it takes to be part of the kingdom of God, Lord. Thank you for that sacrifice that was offered for us, Lord. As sinners, Father, we thank you for having that grace and that mercy towards us, Lord. And we give you glory and honor for it, Lord. And we pray in your precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Thank you guys on uh, Skype. Um, God bless you. I appreciate you being with us tonight and all your comments. And we also thank you all, all on YouTube for being present with us. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you hit the uh, button to subscribe and notification so you get future services from us. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and let's keep each other in prayer, okay? God bless you. Be encouraged. Amen.